John chapter 2. We started this about a month ago. Never got past the intro, did we? God was doing great things in our service. He has been doing great things. The messages from our pastor have just been challenging and encouraging. I'm glad I'm a big honeypot, aren't you? (laughs) Amen. He gave me an excuse to be fat too today. Did you see what he did? It was a win-win situation for everybody. It's okay to be fat. Just say, I'm full of honey. That's all you got to say. Laugh, guys. It's, it's, it's okay. My land, tough crowd. Really. John chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone, after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out now, and bear unto the governor of the feast, and they bear it. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom, and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles that Jesus and Cain of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. We will stop there. Of course, we know this is the first recorded miracle of Jesus as, it, as John stated it. And it's been about a month ago now that I, I just shared with you an introduction And briefly running over that one more time, I gave you the illustration of how department stores and uh, places of business will use marketing campaigns. Uh, Mainly, it's not about the sign, it's not about the product that they're advertising. The main thing is, is to get you into their store and to get you to purchase what they are selling. And it's basically an advertisement or it's basically just a taste of, of what they want you to experience. They want you to dive in, but they're trying to uh, make sure to use anything they can, uh, schemes and ideas to get you into their store. And I gave you the funny illustration of how on 70, Route 75 down around Richmond, the greatest marketing campaign of all is a big billboard with a beaver on it. And it just says two miles ahead. And they are flocking in there by the hundreds every single day at Bucky's to get some gas and to get some beaver nuggets. Can I hear an amen right there? But that's what they, you know, you don't even, you can't even tell, describe to people what Bucky's is, but they're, it's a genius marketing campaign. Just a sign of a beaver and people are, are flocking to it. But it's just, it's not about the beaver. It's, it's about getting you into the store. It's, their, it's the marketing campaign they're using to get you into the store to get you to spend money. And sometimes what Jesus does it's not about you at all. It's about making sure others see what he's done to get them into the store. 
<laughs> and to get them to buy what he is selling. You understand what I'm trying to say. And so in our passage of scripture, this is exactly what's happening with this miracle. It's not about the wine. It's not about the water. It's about making sure that we know that Jesus says, that Jesus is who he said he was. And to make sure that people understood this ain't just some ordinary person. This person right here, this man right here is the God man. He is God and he is all man. And he, this is the way he came into this world and he wanted to make sure and make others understand, listen, this is what I'm all about, but you gotta believe on me in order to receive the miracle. And so John uh, spends his whole time trying to explain that Mary's son is God's son. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. And we know it was Jesus because in verse 14 he said, and he became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. 40 miracles that Jesus performed. This is the first. This is right in the middle of a Jewish wedding ceremony as I alluded to a few weeks ago. This, is a, uh, this ceremony is actually seven days long. And it says here on the third day, that they ran out of wine. So that tells us not only was this a special day, this was a, this was a week-long event celebrating this wonderful marriage. It was a special day, but also it means they had a shortage because on the third day they ran out. And because of this shortage, it brought shame to the bridegroom. He was responsible for making sure there was plenty. And the governor of the feast was set in order of this, of this uh, wedding feast. Now, I know a lot of work goes in to, to, you know, modern days just to make sure there's enough for one afternoon. Can you imagine running out on day three of a seven-day ceremony? It brought shame. It brought shame. And so I, I made this point, and this is where we stopped a few weeks ago. I said the real miracle in this story is not that Jesus turned water into wine. The real miracle is he showed up when they ran out. <laughs> and that's a shout point right there. I'll say that one more time. Jesus showed up when they ran out. Isn't that just like him? He always knows when to show up. <laughs> Thank God, I'm, some of you don't even know that you've run out, but he's here. He is here. And when you realize that you have nothing left, hallelujah, all you gotta do is look around and guess what? Jesus is there. Hallelujah. They ran out and his mother comes to him and says, they have no wine. And automatically there was a connection there. He understood what she meant. What she wanted him to do was to do something about this situation. And he said, this savior of the world was unwilling. He said, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. An unwilling savior. What do you do when you ask him to do something for you? And he's unwilling to do so. May I submit to you, and I've said this hundreds and hundreds of times, just because it's delayed doesn't mean that you're denied. It just means it ain't time yet. But did you notice what Mary did? It's like what most mothers do today. Whenever their kids talk to them, it's in one ear and one out the other. I'm joking there, but anyway, 
it was like Mary didn't even hear what he said because automatically she turned to the servants and says, whatsoever he says, do it, you better do it. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Why could Mary do that? Why could she do that? Well, what was, well, this is the ultimate picture of faith on Mary's part. You know why? Because she was holding on to Jesus' words when he says, mine hour is not yet come. She was holding on to those two words, not yet. <laughs> he didn't say, mine hour is not here. He said, it's just not yet come. And so she was by faith saying, you know what? It's not yet come, but it's about ready to come. I've got faith that you're gonna do what I'm asking you to do. I've got faith in who you are. You know what she was, this is the first point. The, this is the reason why the miracle happened. It was to affirm Mary's faith. Can you imagine for third, over 30 years, she's been telling people and she's been, uh, she's been advertising that he is the son of God and he is the Messiah, yet he has not done one thing to prove that he was the Messiah. No one thought he was the Messiah. But now she says, whatever he says, do, you do it. And when he did it, finally the people could look at Mary and say, you are crazy. You were, you were telling us the right thing. Hey, what I got good news for you tonight. Some of you have been praying and you've been praying and you've been asking God and you've been telling others, watch out, he's going to do it. Watch out, he's going to do it. He hadn't done it yet, but I got good news for you. It ain't yet. It ain't yet. It ain't yet. But when he does it, hallelujah, they're going to look at you and say, hallelujah, you are right. He is the son of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I love it when God just sets us up for a miracle. (laughs) That's what he was doing. He was setting this whole thing up just to perform this miracle. And I'm glad he does that in our lives. Many of you have been... Some of you may know and some of you may not know, but my cousin, Mike Brown, out in out at Beach Fork, he's played the bass for many years and, and his wife, Mary's the choir leader. And several months ago, he was diagnosed with cancer, stage four, uh, just kidney, I think it was bladder or kidney, dad? One of the two? Oh yeah, that's what it was. Anyway, it was, it was a very critical situation, serious matter. And they'd, he'd done chemo and done testing and, and they thought it was uh, going to spread and, and uh, it was uh, in his lungs and it was doing all kinds of testing and all kinds of treatment. He became very sick. Calvin Ray was recently out there in revival. They'd been praying for him. And we got an email this week that he went to the doctor to have a PET scan and they got the results and all the way down that list, it says, no cancer here, no cancer there. No cancer here, no cancer here, no cancer here. But guess what? All the way through, there was some days when he was down. There was some days when he discouraged. But all the way through, he'd say, Brian, I believe God's going to heal me. I believe God's going to take care of me. He's done it before and he can do it again. Oh, I know some people may look at Mike Brown and say, you're crazy. It's a death sentence. But thank God he can say, I'm just holding on to those words. Not yet. But hallelujah, he's done it. And guess what? All the world can look at him and say, you are serving a true and living God. Hallelujah. This miracle affirmed her faith. But secondly, notice this. 
This miracle happened because they accepted his command. They accepted his command. What was the command? There were six water pots there after the manner, uh, the manner of purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins apiece. And here was the command. Jesus said unto them, fill the water pots with water. And so they did that. In fact, they say, the Bible says that they filled them to the brim. I'm glad that he put that in there. Because that meant no outside influence could get in those water pots. Nothing else could fit in there but the water that they put in. Because there was no, you could, they couldn't say, well, something else was put in there in order to make it wine. They couldn't say that. Because it was filled to the brim with water. You know how much water this is? Six water pots, two or three firkins apiece. Uh, estimating, well, from water research, eight gallons in a firkin. So it's around 144 gallons of water. Now it tells us what this water is there for. Notice it said water pots of stone. It didn't say water pots of clay. It didn't say pottery. It said stone. There was a reason why. Remember pastor preached a few weeks ago about the purifying, the cleansing? That's what these water pots were for. They would fill these water pots with water and they were clean pots. And then what they would do is before they would eat and after they would eat, they would wash their hands, wash their feet, and they would wash the utensils that they were using. It was purifying water. It had one purpose, to cleanse what was dirty. <laughs> it had one purpose, to cleanse what was dirty until Jesus showed up. <laughs> and in one command, Jesus changed the purpose of these water pots. No longer were they purifying pots, they were holding <laughs> what was prophetic of the blood of Jesus. You know what he was saying? You've used water all these years to purify your dirty outside and your dirty flesh, but what I'm gonna do is, I'm gonna show you what really purifies. <laughs> Cause wine in the Bible represents the blood. And he says, guess what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna show you, it's not in tradition. It's not in this water. It's gonna take the blood to purify your soul. So they fill these water pots. So here's the question I have. When did this water become wine? It's a good question, isn't it? When did this water become wine? Did it become wine whenever they poured it in? Or did it become wine whenever they drew it out? Can I give you the answer? I got it. It don't matter. <laughs> There's a reason why it, ain't, it don't say that because it don't, it don't matter. Do you know the reason why? Because Jesus said, fill them with water. And then he said, draw out and bear to the governor of the feast. 
So you say, Brian, when did it turn from water to wine? Somewhere in between them obeying what he said to do is when the miracle happened. I'll run over that one more time because some of you missed it. Somewhere in between the time he told them to do what he said to do and from them being obedient to his command, that's when the miracle happened. It didn't matter if they were pouring out, drawing out, drawing in. It don't matter. The, the, what really mattered is they obeyed what he said to do. And when they obeyed, hallelujah, that's when the miracle happened. And some of us are looking for lightning bolts to come from heaven for our miracles to show up. Guess what? All you gotta do is obey what he says to do. Amen. Amen. I don't know why this is coming to mind, but this is, this is just what's coming to mind in, in my past and in my history. And I'll use, I used Mike Brown before, now I'll use Mary Brown, his wife. Years ago, she was having problems with her throat. And maybe you know she sings. And we were having communion feet washing one day. And uh, we, they do the communion first and then they split off and, and they have the foot washing. And so Brother Deb was our pastor then. Dad was there so he could, he could help me out if I'm wrong with this. But I remember vividly she was having problems with her throat and felt like something was, was in there and could not get rubbed. She couldn't sing. It was just preventing her from doing what she felt God had called her to do. And so they was gathered around. They was taking communion. And what does our pastor say about that meal? It's the meal that heals, right? So she took the bread. She took the juice, the wine, the representative of the wine. She took it. Nothing happened. She prayed and asked God to heal her, but nothing happened. It was still there. And so Brother Deb, some of you knew Brother Delbert Evans, and those of you that didn't, I'm so sorry you never got to know him. I'll just be, I'll try to say this is kind of, I don't mean this degrading because I love that he was my hero. But he was a peculiar man. And he would tell you that. He just did things out of the box. He would fit in around here. But you never knew what he was going to do. He was very obedient to the spirit. And Brother Deb gets up by himself and gets a single cup and fills it with juice, goes over to Mary and says, I believe the Lord can heal you. I want you to take this and swallow seven times. Now that's peculiar. And Mary could have said, Brother Deb, I love you, but you're crazy. But she had so much respect for him listening to the man of God, listening to God and the man of God. She said, I'll do that. They prayed, she drank, swallowed seven times. Guess what? I'd love to tell you it happened just like that, but it didn't. She still believed and prayed. And so they, we separated and began to wash feet. And usually after we wash feet, we sing a hymn. That's what Jesus did, so that's what we do. And it's not uncommon for the women to start singing, and you'll hear them sing in the back Sunday school room. And all of a sudden, I heard with such clarity and loud volume, it got the whole church up. Mary singing, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. And she, she just, she 
felt in her spirit that God had healed her. And as she was walking back there, she said, God, I know you can and I believe you can. You've used Brother Deb tonight. And even though it may be peculiar, I believe that you have healed me. And God touched her. And God touched her and healed her. That I'll never forget that. Sometimes God does some peculiar things. But listen, it don't matter how peculiar it is. If he tells you to do it, do it. And your miracle is waiting. Oh, I got to hurry. This miracle that happened because they accepted his command. This miracle affirmed Mary's faith, but also I want you to notice this. This miracle showed us that Jesus was active before the problem even existed. Look with me at verse eight. He saith unto them, draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast, and they bear it. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, look at it now, and knew not whence it was, But the servants which drew the water knew the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and saith unto him, every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, then that which is worse, but thou hast kept the good wine until now. You say, Brian, what what did you, what did you get from that? Well, this wedding coordinator, this wedding governor, the governor of the feast, he gets this water that has now been made wine, but didn't know, that's the key word. He did not know what Jesus had done. And he assumed all along that this had been wine all along. Now you have to understand, if he knew, this governor of the feet, if he knew what had happened, that would have brought shame and reproach upon the bridegroom. But what Jesus did He took care of the problem before the problem even existed. The governor of the feast didn't ever know there was a problem. He was the one that was responsible for making sure everything was okay. And so he thought the bridegroom was responsible for this wonderful wine that he had kept until now. And so instead of bringing shame and reproach upon the bridegroom, it brought glory and praise back to the bridegroom because Jesus took care of the problem before they even knew a problem existed. What I'm trying to tell you is tonight, God takes care of issues before we even know there is a problem. Why does he do that? Not to bring glory to anybody else, but to himself. He is the bridegroom. He is our bridegroom. Aren't you thankful tonight? He takes care of the problem before we even know there is a problem. Have you ever thanked God for the things that have never happened in your life? Think about all the times that possibly something could have ran out you in the middle of the road and God withheld it. And you said, well, Brian, how can you thank God for things you didn't even know was gonna happen? Because they could have happened, but they didn't. God spared you. God took care of you. And he's active in our life even before a problem exists. And here's the greatest news of all. And Jody, come. Could you care to sing that? Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Here's the greatest thing of all. Before you even knew or even know what a Savior is or who the Savior is, he took care of your sin before you even knew you were a sinner. You say he did? Oh, yeah, the Bible is 
plain. He was the lamb slain in the mind of God from the foundation of the world. Before Adam and Eve committed a sin in the garden, before Satan was thrown out of hell, God already had a plan. And the plan was this, that his son would die on the cross. And because of that, he took care of sin before sin was ever a problem. Isn't that amazing? It's hard to wrap our mind around, but he did it. So he can get the glory.